listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we're going to talk about the story collection 1001 Nights, or in English it's known as the Arabian Nights. Before we get started, <laughs> I want to apologize because I have a bit of a speech impediment right now. Um, I had jaw surgery a couple weeks ago and I have this weird splint at the top of my mouth. <laughs> so. I already had kind of a nerdy voice, but I'm like doubling down on it this week, so <laughs> apologies. No worries. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking to like skip an episode, but we've been doing like so well, you know, rocking these out that I didn't want to lose our momentum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you need a break, it's just Okay, like, no, ding, it'll ding, be ding, good. Your turn. <laughs> I was feeling self-conscious, but now now I'm like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> so, Arabian Nights. This is a collection of stories um, compiled during the Islamic Golden Age, which was pretty much the Middle Ages. So while, while Europe was, you know, drudging along, um, the Arab world was blossoming with um, science, mathematics, and, like, excellent literature. And um, in the 8th century... It began, um, it was, it, I guess, like, the first version of this was, like, a small group of stories from, um, Persia and India, and then all throughout the years up until the 13th century, um, more and more stories were added from, um, you know, all over Arabia and Egypt and uh -huh. Syria, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it became, like, the Thousand and One Nights as we know it today. Yeah, and wasn't it the, some of the most familiar stories like Aladdin and Sinbad and Alibaba, those were actually not, either not part of the original or they were just, they were added very late in the game. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They're actually from the Middle East, but they were added, I think, after they got to Europe by like a Frenchman. I think Aladdin was, uh, um, let's see, it takes place in China, but I think it's like... yeah. It takes place in China, but it's, always I, think overlooked. It, I think it's from Syria. Like, I think the story's mm -hmm. from Syria, although it does take place in China. But yeah, they were added in later. So I guess that's the European or the English perspective. It's like, oh, stories from east of us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put them into this book. <laughs> but, but I mean, really, like, they're all, they're, they're all from all over. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, um... I think it's it was like it was like that from the beginning. They were just um, collected, and I think they're all from along like the spice route, you know, because there's so much travel yeah. along that. Um, it's like just... who collected them? You know, we talked about the Brothers Grimm and how they collected stories and put them, you know, in a publication. But the Arabian Nights or the Thousand and One Nights, like, who? It's kind of amazing. Yeah, that I don't know that there's like anyone. So person... many people must have yeah, taken you... part in that, but like, mm -hmm. who's? There had to have been one person originally who compiled like yeah <laughs> it's interesting well the stories are really old and you know they're from oral tradition but you're right they must have been yeah. compiled at some point maybe we need to dig into that because <laughs> that person would have been like one of the first ethnographers or you know folklorists mm -hmm. so that's kind of cool to think of but yeah I, in all the readings that i've done on the arabian nights for thousand and one nights that you know it's just like they magically came together. <laughs> yeah, and they weren't even originally in Arabic, you know, because, like, like I said, like, the first, the first set was Persian, so I think it was in Farsi, I guess. Yeah, and it says there's also 
possible Indian origins. Yeah, yeah. So they actually translated it at one point um, into Arabic and then began adding more tales. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since the beginning, it included the frame story of um, of the king Shar- Shariar and his wife Shahrazad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were two kings, Shariar and... Side note, we we probably will not say these names right, but Yeah, so older king <laughs> older king and younger king. Yeah, they're brothers. <laughs> they're like best buds and brothers. Yes. Yeah. Brothers, buddies. So they both find that, that their wives have been not exactly virtuous and so they kill their wives. And the older one decides that he's going to take a new wife so that he can never be cuckolded again. He will take a new wife every day and kill her in the morning. And he does this for three years until there are no more... Serial killer. Yeah, yes. Until there are no more young eligible maidens and, you know, everyone's very upset with him. I wonder if he thinks he's saving the, the world, like saving the men... Of his kingdom, like he's yeah, like they'll from... never have to suffer a <laughs> the you know, betrayal, yeah, yeah, a treacherous day. wife. I don't, I don't even think he's thought that far. He's just worried about himself, and he holds a grudge for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and I don't think I don't even think it's a grudge against his wife. It's just like you know that it happened to him. It happened to his brother. They randomly w- run into the wife of a, you know, um, of a, of a jinn who's also unfaithful, so I think he just has it in his head that all women are awful, and, yeah, it wasn't even all them, too, there were his, um, his wife's maidens who were also, um, so that was his, yeah, that's the, the view that he got was, yeah, that all Exactly, that just all women are, you know, just horrible and treacherous yeah, and so yeah. yeah these are two men that really need a positive female influence in their life <laughs> and then enters Sherazad. yeah yes. so she's the daughter of the older brother the king's vizier mm-hmm. and and the vizier is he was the one that was tasked with bringing the king these virgins you know mm-hmm. one a day until finally his older daughter Sherazad steps up and volunteers uh, you know wanting to put a stop to this so you know she she's like I'm gonna save the women and it kind of reminded me of um, Theseus and the Minotaur you know Greek mythology um, so many youths were you know sent to the Minotaur as a sacrifice and so um, Theseus wanted to stop that so he volunteered um, to take the place of one of them at least and then he you know save the day but anyway so that like sacrifice that volunteering and the yeah. sacrifice and it I mean, me of that. it's very noble because I mean, it was almost, almost assured demise of her, and yet, um, mm-hmm. so she she goes very bravely to to prevent any other women from this fate. Yeah, and in Sir Richard Burton's translation, he says that she um, had perused books, annals, and legends of preceding kings and the stories and examples and instances of bygone men and things. Indeed, it was said that she had collected a thousand books of histories relating to antique races and departed rulers. She had perused the works of the poets and knew them by heart. She had studied philosophy and the sciences, arts and accomplishments, and she was pleasant and polite, wise and witty, well-read and well-bred. Which is awesome because in 
in all the other stories and the stories that she tells throughout this collection it's like how beautiful these women you know women are in the you know in these stories they like faces like the moon and all this but she is described as being very smart and learned mm -hmm. and accomplished yeah, yeah not only beautiful but educated yeah. and also just very quick-witted and clever you yeah. know who would come up with this it's like her beauty plan. is a side note to her you know her mind which mm -hmm. is really awesome it's like yeah all these horrible examples of women and then bam Sherzad <laughs> super smart I know it's, like, it's, it's great like I mean even knowing where the story was going I was getting really angry reading about the kings and their wives because I'm like they're so misogynist <laughs> yeah. and I mean it's <clears throat> and even, like I said even knowing where this was going I was getting really upset but then um you know, then Shehrazad appears, and actually, throughout all the stories she tells, I mean, there are lots of examples of women in all different capacities. You know, there are some mm -hmm. that are good, some that are evil, some that are idiots, some that are very clever, um, some that are just treated as, as objects, and then others that are the heroes of the story, and so... Yeah. Um, there's just women across the spectrum and so it's pretty admirable considering it comes you know out of the middle ages in a society that we you know i guess the world perceives as being down mm -hmm. on women and not you know not to get into like human rights issues and stuff but i mean that is the perception but that's not always the case and i mean it's it's, it's mm -hmm. you know seen through these stories yeah yeah so yeah it's a really great collection of stories that Shahrazad, she tells, well it's kind of like she tells one and a half each night, or like mm -hmm. half of it, you know, depending, but it's like... Yeah, you get the payoff oh, from the night before, but then she gives yeah. you another little taste, you know, to, to keep you wanting to hear the story for the next night. So that was her plan, she, she has a, she had a younger sister named Donyazad, and, um, and so Shahrazad's like, Dina okay... Dinarzad, I think? Yeah, yeah. well, something. You, yeah, um, her, her younger sister. <laughs> Color Dunny for sure. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like it. Anyway, so they, <laughs> the younger sister. So Sherazad like took her younger sister aside and said, "Okay, so tonight, like, so this was her wedding night, you know, and on, and on the morning, as was the the way that things had gone, the king would have her killed." Um, so anyway, but she told her sister to like, okay, so come in and ask me to tell you a story, and and of course it will be in the king's presence, and so he will also be hearing the story. So that's how it started, and so the younger sister came in, and so Sherazad started telling a story, but then she would stop in the middle, like uh, you know, and so the king is like, oh, I need to know more, I need to know <laughs> what happens, and Sherazad is like well it's time time for bed <laughs> and so and so he wouldn't kill her in the morning and so this happened like actually over the course of three years and should we should i just like keep going and say i don't know if we should like should yeah we well say, i mean tell the whole umbrella story i guess <laughs> at this point and then we can yeah talk more well in uh, the story she's telling um like the ones in the beginning relate directly to her situation they're all about um mm -hmm. you know what is justice you know and um which is interesting in a couple ways because it relates directly to her story but then it's also like a greater theme of the time because there's this like pre-islamic 
notion of justice, which is very much like the eye for an eye, and it doesn't matter your intent, like, you know, whatever you did, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not, you're going to be, you know, taken to task for that. Whereas, you know, there's an Islamic notion where God is the judge, and, um, There, there's more of a forgiveness um, for, for your actions. So you could still be punished, but, you know, you're not going to be put to death for something that's not even your fault. You know, like, she she wasn't unfaithful. The other wives were. Why should she be put to death? And so this kind of mm-hmm. plants the seed in his head. And then, and it goes on. I mean, there's, there's more themes that um, she's kind of, she's kind of keeping him entertained to live, but she's also educating him. Mm-hmm. Um, about how to live. Yeah, yeah. because it, it's so, like you said, there are uh, a lot of themes and elements in these stories, um, and, yeah, like, religious teachings and, like, moral stories, and, um, yeah, and it is interesting to see, uh, like you said, the justice, and then also honor is a huge, um, a huge theme, and, yeah, and forgiveness, and, um, and also, it's interesting, there are so, a lot of these stories, it's like, people are eaten up with curiosity, and then it's like, it's like, <laughs> don't open the last door, and, but, <laughs> but then, but then the, the person opens the door, and everything, and then they're, like, their happily ever after is gone, because they were too curious, it's like, it's like so many of the stories that I read, it's, it's like curiosity, just eats these characters up and they like can't live without knowing <laughs> and so anyway that's something yeah that and that's just me. human nature i mean yeah. you can <laughs> and then but it's like no don't do it <laughs> and then you know as the reader and the, but then also yeah greed and oh yeah like how sisters are are so envious of their like two sisters would be so envious of their one sister who's you know having a having good things happen to her and then they like plot against her you know so it's well it was just kind of like cinderella-esque i guess you have mm-hmm. two sisters plotting against the one sister or what, you know but it's so yeah it's so interesting that there's so it's like all of humanity you know like mm-hmm. so many elements of just and it's condition not in here yeah like you mean you mentioned like greed and and jealousy which are d- definitely like big um big themes but there's also like the theme of moderation like it's mm-hmm. okay yeah. to want um it's okay to want a comfortable life and to want money and to want you know a, a favorable marriage but like once the characters get too greedy that can be their downfall and that's yeah. also like a very um islamic concept you know like there um it's it's okay to want a good life but you also need to be um like moderate and this kind of goes into food too, you know. Like there, mm-hmm. there's like many rules about moderation in food, um, and also generous. You know, like a big part of Islam is is giving a portion of your earnings to the poor and helping people. Um, mm-hmm. I think we see a lot of, um, you know, I, I kept wanting to compare this to Grimm's fairy tales, which we um, which we did a couple episodes ago, because a lot of the themes are the same. You know, as far as like fortune and wish fulfillment. Um, but then there are some differences. Like there, are, there are. There's a lot more, um, a lot more religion in this. You know, I think they did start adding um, religion into Grimm's fairy tales, where this was like religious off the bat. And um, these are a lot like 
bawdier in a lot of ways, too. There's actually, like, a lot of sex in this, you know? It's pretty yeah. ra- racy for um, for the time, um, which, you know, I guess was really, really entertaining. <laughs> I know, still entertaining, but, um, yeah, so it's, like, it, it differs in, in those ways, I think. See, I grew up reading these. Like, I, I don't even know when was the first time I read them, but because I have this old... Well, I have, so right in front of me, I have two editions. I have the, I think this came from Barnes & Noble, maybe, the, like this really, the gilded one. And it's, it's like so beautiful, the blue cover. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like blue cover. Oh, I don't cover, think I have. And yeah, it's. Google it. <laughs> so ta-ta, like it's so nice and beautiful. <laughs> but then I also have this poor... <laughs> This poor, like, crispy, it's so old that it's, like, crispy crispy in parts. (laughs) And I was trying to preserve it, like, I was like, because I had forgot, I actually forgot that I had this, (laughs) the big, nice one, and so I was like, oh, I have to read my, like, this old one. And I was going to put a, like, a book cover on it to protect it, but as I was trying to put it on, it was, like, one of those fabric ones, it, like, caused more harm, and I was like, ah, I hate you, book cover, like, poor book, and I threw it in the trash, (laughs) I mean, not the book, I threw the book cover in the trash, because it, like, yeah, and it's, like, so part of the spine, like, flaked off, anyway, so it's so sad, but this has a little book plate in it in the very beginning, this book belongs to Judith Kidd, 1921, and so this book is at least from 1921, if not, you know, I don't know when it was published, but it was given to you know, my ancestor in 1921. So it's pretty old. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, but this is what I read when I was a kid. I mean, maybe elementary, like late elementary school, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah, so a lot of the stories stuck in my mind. But it actually, it doesn't end with the conclusion of Sherazad. It just, it just ends with Sinbad. Oh. So I never knew. She never got the wrap up story. Did she live or did she die? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So all these years, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it just ends with advertisements for boy books, the boy chum series, the <clears throat> the big motorcycle boys, the bronco rider boys. I know it's like, oh, I guess this Arabian Nights was geared toward or was uh, you know um, marketed towards boys. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so now. But now so we now know what I've happened. I've read it. Now I know what happens, and we're going to tell you guys. Maybe. No, just kidding. We'll tell you yeah. what happens, but maybe a little Spoiler in, alert. A little she bit lives in happily ever after. Yeah. Does she? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's so upset. But yeah. So I'm sorry. That was like a real. <laughs> that was a tangent. I don't even know why I got on that tangent. Why did I talk about the books in front of me? I don't know. No, that's my, nice my to cris- remember, though. because yeah, old book. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I like to remember, like, my my first encounter with this. I also had this when I was, yeah, like... Tell us. I had this book, but I don't have any, like, specific memories of reading it. And then I was, like, vaguely familiar, of course, with, like, you know, Aladdin and Alibaba and Sinbad, but I did have to go back and kind of refresh my memory as to what actually happens, because, um... Some of these stories are like surprisingly long. You know, that's another difference from um, yeah, Grimm's fairy tale. Like the structure is—I mean, first of all, 
it's not just the one frame story. A lot of these stories have, like, stories within stories. It has, like, mm-hmm. a much more sophisticated structure. It's like and, an umbrella tree. <laughs> yes, it's an umbrella tree, and it's also, like, a, like, kind of a soap opera, because, like, sev- sometimes yeah. uh, the same story will take several twists and turns and almost go off on a different tangent. And, you know, I guess... And get really crazy, just like soap operas. Right. Yeah. And very, yeah, very entertaining. You always come back the next yeah. day to see what happens. Um, yeah, I guess Shahrazad was trying to stretch these out over several nights. Yeah, because yeah. um, some of these are pretty... Yeah, long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very long. Yeah, some of them they're long in the the adventure aspect, and mm-hmm. some of them are long in the just description and like dialogue. And so some of it, it's like uh, kind of tedious. Yeah, I think like... maybe I think that's me. I, I I do have vague recollections of like being younger and just not. I mean, some of it was a little impenetrable for me as uh you know tween <laughs> or whenever yeah. I was reading this because um but actually like reading it now if you can get through some of like the floweriness like some of it's like really beautifully written and like they mm-hmm. put verse in a lot of places um yeah which is really cool I thought yeah like it, it's it's beautiful and it like really enriches the story and um and I wonder is that some like a cultural thing of the time that people were learned in that way like the general public were learned in that way to be able to quote I, I mean I, like quote I think, the Quran or quote poets or... I think so because um from what I know and like I'm not Muslim but my husband is so I have kind of like you know a little bit more knowledge than, than mm-hmm. I guess I would it, it, otherwise but I know that like, a couple things like one in Islam memorization is like a huge thing like um like, people will go to classes to memorize the entire Quran, and even if you don't know the whole thing, like, you definitely know certain verses, like, much more than people can, like, quote the Bible, and people quote the Bible all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, also, there's, um, like, very, very famous, like, my husband's from Pakistan, and so, um, he speaks Urdu, and Urdu is very famous for, like, um, for the poetry, and so mm. today, like so many Pakistanis can just like quote random poetry, and there's like a like a verse for any situation. You know, if something good happens, if something bad happens, you that's know, so cool. like, some, it's really cool because that's and exactly it, what happens in these stories. Like so yeah, often, like he there's has like a, a perilous situation, <laughs> and the guy who's like about to have his head cut off is. I know. Like, he's like, oh, I have a story the about this. Say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a very sweet story that my um, my husband told me, like, when he and his um, his next youngest sister and her, her now husband, um, they've been married, like, 15 years or something like that, but when they first got engaged, I think they were, like, quoting poetry back and forth to each other. I think they were Aww. all sitting outside just talking in, um, like, a, a group of the family and stuff, and they were just, you know... Um, giving the next line of famous poems and I think that's just really sweet and just kind of a part mm-hmm. of life you know so I, I imagine and I mean you know these are the Arabian nights but they, they stretch all the way to India so that would um, kind of yeah. cover the Pakistan area as well so I, I guess that's like a um, probably a cultural thing across the board but I think it's very, very cool yeah. and um, well like you were saying 
yeah. you know, your husband and, and his sister and, and brother-in-law, like, I mean, that's, so they were able to, to have that experience, like, they can, they can bond over that, so it's kind of like, but if it's a cultural thing, it's like, creates a cultural bond, too. Yeah, if like, you, everybody like, knows so many people these can, poems, and everybody knows yeah. these stories, yeah, so... So that's really, that's really cool. So yeah, I thought that was really neat. Like so many of these stories, yeah, it has all like either verses of scripture or, um, you know, people are quoting poets or, you know, and then it touches other people's hearts. And so they, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And obviously in a way that's, you know, not just entertaining, but also moving, you know, Mm -hmm. so I mean, the king was moved by these stories. Oh, go ahead and tell the end, because it's very sweet what he says, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let me, well, let me find that exact, so anyway, so, so Sherazad is telling these stories each night, and her younger sister is present as well, um, and the king, of course, and it goes on for three years, and then finally, one night, let me, so I'm flipping to the back of the book now. She she tells she finishes the story um, the story of Ali and, and it's, I'm reading from the book now she rose to her feet and kissing ground before him the king said O king of the time and unique one of the age and the tide I am thine handmaid and these thousand nights and a night have I entertained thee with stories of folk gone before and admonitory instances of the men of yore so basically yeah, she's. I've been telling you stories for a really long time. <laughs> may I, may I then make bold to crave a boon of thy highness? May I, can I ask a favor? And he said, he replied, "O Shahrazad, and it shall be granted to thee." Totally is what he said. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the translation. Yeah, <laughs> and and so she tells the nurses and the eunuchs that are present, "Bring me my children." So. Um, there, three three boys are brought to her and the king. So throughout the course of these three years of her telling stories, um, she also gave birth to the king's children. <laughs> so I should make it clear that it's the king's children. Yeah, and so, two, yeah, two points. She, One, boys, very prized. And yeah. two, I guess she was also telling stories the night she gave birth. So that is Or if talent. she gave birth during the day, I guess. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she never maybe. missed a beat. I yeah. guess, yeah, so that's a talent in itself. Yeah, we're telling a story. <laughs> I don't even, I, oh my goodness. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so she says, basically, these are your sons that I have, you know, that I've given you, and please, says, release from me the doom of death, so don't kill me, because then your children will be motherless, and anyway, and the king... So she's begging for her life, you know, puts the children before him. When the king heard this, he wept, and straining the boys to his bosom, said, By Allah, O Shahrazad, I pardoned thee before the coming of these children, for that I found thee chaste, pure, ingenuous, and pious. Allah bless thee and thy father and thy mother, and thy root and thy branch. I take the Almighty to witness against me that I exempt thee from aught that can harm thee. So... That that's awesome because he's like, he's like, what? I like I, I pardoned you a long time ago. Like you didn't have to <laughs> put the children in front of me. To, but like, I didn't tell you because I wanted to keep hearing these awesome stories. I know, right? It's like yeah. why would he? 
he's just so oblivious to her plight. Like, she's fearing for her life for three right, years. Right, every day she wonders, am I going to be killed <laughs> And today? he's like, what? Maybe that's why he wept. It says that he wept, you know, when she said yeah. that. So I guess maybe it just dawned on him, like, oh that my gosh, I love you. And you, all this time you thought that I was going to kill you. Yeah. So it turned out awesome. And then, so... So she lives, she she won her life, mm-hmm. and the life of, you know, however many other women would have been killed through her cleverness, and mm-hmm. he becomes a better person. He actually, like, grew some morality um, through yeah. this, so everybody So wins. he goes, yeah, so he invites his younger brother, um, who also, you know, had a, an unfaithful wife in the beginning, um and tells he basically he tells his younger brother like how awesome Sherazad is and like all that he's learned yeah and like you said how like how he's changed and um and then the younger brother is like I want to marry her younger sister <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah and so then the the king tells Sherazad like hey so my younger brother wants to marry your younger sister and she's like that's great but tell them that they that he has to move in with us cuz I don't want to be separated from my sister and then so the king tells his brother and the brother's like that sounds good to me because I don't want to be separated from you yeah and I'll, and I'll, I'll give up being give a king up my kingdom my own no land. big deal yeah, yeah. isn't that nice so it's like yeah they're all so the four of them are just living in happy happiness yeah <laughs> like yeah it, like it's a it's a from such a horrible beginning it is a really great like big great ending and the and the girl's father the vizier he's like given some awesome title and responsibilities and stuff like I don't I can't <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody the gets a reward. viceroy in Samarkand mm. and assigned him five of the chief emirs to accompany him anyway Sounds so like prestigious. set the dad up yeah nice so yeah great and so that's the ending <laughs> <laughs> and in the and and in between yeah there's a lot of lot of great and fantastical stories and um and food yeah let's get into food (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah so what i noticed a lot of i mean in some stories specific food is mentioned but mostly it's like mostly it's like general like they had a feast or they ate this or that Mm -hmm. they they don't say exactly um Mm -hmm what they're eating so you kind of have to interpret um yeah, yeah some stuff dainty but, um, you wouldn't say dainty meats and yeah it's like yeah it's like, they what is a dainty like, meat I, rose I water like scented thin napkins cut. <laughs> yeah yeah stuff but like yeah that. so food yeah lots of it. so well food comes in um this with the symbolism, like, we were already talking mm-hmm. about some of the themes, so just to mention, yeah. you know, um, we talked a lot when we talked about Grimm's fairy tales about just food being a general symbol of your your station in life, you know, like, mm-hmm. are you a have or a have not, you know, um, starvation comes into play in a few of these stories, like, um, people are very poor, they don't have enough, um, when Sinbad goes on his, um, his journeys and adventures, like, there are several times where, you know, he, you know, he's out in the world, he's worried if he'll have enough to eat, um, Mm -hmm. although it all works out well for him, but, um, yeah, food, food's very much, like, a, a symbol in life, um, 
something more specific to the culture is um, food's also a symbol of hospitality. Yeah. Um, just a, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these take place in countries where it's like a desert. So there's not you know mm-hmm. a lot of food and water, so food's very important. And um, giving, being very generous with your guests is, um, yeah, just you try to make yeah. your guests as welcome as possible. And I also, I think I also read, and it and it was also shown in some of these stories. Um, even to invite people off the street to like fill out your table, or yeah, you know, or if, if a yeah, I read somewhere like by, it's it's you invite um, them in. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad to eat alone. So even yeah. like uninvited or not uninvited guests, but I mean like surprised guests are welcome because yeah. they keep you from eating alone. And that kind of reminds me also in in, uh, in Greek history. There was a time. It's like yeah, you invite the the poor or if someone shows up at your door you invite them in for a meal because they you know who knows they could be a god in disguise or, oh yeah you know? so who knows so like, yeah what kind of person you might meet yeah and and as we mentioned like a lot of these tales were very religious and so you know a lot of the the people like they yeah they would invite someone in because it's like oh it's by the grace of god that you've shown up on my doorstep or you mm-hmm. know who, who am i to like here you are so who am i to turn you away if this is your destiny or you know what is supposed to happen right. so yes yeah, kind of and a being cool being mindset. generous giving giving food and giving money to the poor is um you know not only good for them but it's a blessing on you like mm-hmm. another yeah another way to like relate this to um like modern day um you know but stuff people have been doing a long time when we were in um pakistan and we were out just you know out and about there there are you know obviously a lot of um poor people that are that are begging and um we'd always give money but before that like my like for example my mother-in-law would take a, a little bit of money and she would like bless my daughter with it and then give it to the poor person you know, because she's like, by giving this away, we're getting a blessing. And, but not just for her giving it away. Like, it's almost like mm-hmm. she could bestow it on someone, which was, like, kind of cool. Yeah. So by sharing your food, you're bringing more blessing upon yourself. I thought that was really cool that there are, yeah, these feasts. And, like, even in Sinbad, that story of Sinbad, it's it actually begins with Sinbad the porter, which is, you know, someone who carries packages and, and goods you know, place to place. Mm-hmm. So, and he meets Sinbad the sailor, who's at that point an old man. But Sin and but so Sinbad the porter is poor. Sinbad the sailor is rich, and he's just he just stops outside this you know Sinbad the sailor's house because he's so weary. And then Sinbad the sailor invites him in, like this poor guy off the street invites him in and like lavishly bestows these gifts and food and tells him, and that's how we you know, hear the, about his seven voyages is that he's telling Sinbad the porter of them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that was, yeah. But it's like, they're just having a good time and nobody, and there were a whole bunch of guests there at Sinbad the Sailor's palace, and, but nobody batted an eye, you know, that this poor person was brought in off the street. It's just, that's just how it was. Anyway, yeah. we can move on to a different subject, but I just thought that was no, it's a I mean, no, good feeling. That's, that's really a cool. nice custom, yeah. yeah, to kind of share the wealth. Like it, it, You don't have to feel guilty for having a lot as long as you're kind of spreading it sure, around yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a good way of 
putting it. So yeah, you shared with me, um, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes, but it's the Arabian Nights Encyclopedia, Mm -hmm. and um, it's the food section, and it mentions the Bedouin tribes, and so, you know, they were nomadic and, you know, moved around in the desert, and so food was a big deal, Um, but it says in this encyclopedia that it was the, the touchstone for moral and social conduct, so... It's like food is, is, you know, associated with hospitality, of course, survival, but also moral and social conduct. Isn't that interesting? Like, because it's such a, a crucial thing that, like, how, how you act about it, do you share it or do you covet it? People can tell the kind of person you are by how you deal with food, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, like, a lot of, like, in the Quran and Hadiths, um, there's lots of rules about food. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what, which foods are halal and haram, which means permitted or not permitted. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, things like, you know, pork and alcohol are not permitted. And halal is things that are permitted or that are beneficial, you know, so animals must be slaughtered a certain way, there's a bunch of things that are good to eat, and, um, I think, you know, a lot of these things became rules because of, like, health and sanitation, you know, at the time, like, pigs were not very clean animals, and there was, like, a lot of disease you can get from them, so it made very much sense not to, not to eat them, and then there's lots of rules about, like, um, cleansing yourself before meals, um, the way to eat your food, um, these type of things, and it's not just for, like, you know, decorum and good manners and, like, rules for the sake of rules, um, but, like, the Quran was actually, like, very progressive for its time, and I think brought in a lot of these things because, you know, people didn't know why people were sick all the time, and said this gave them some basic rules to live by, which decreased disease. So you can kind of see that through these. And also about, you know, moderation. There's, like, a a quote um, that, like, meals are one-third for food, one drink, or one-third for drink, and one-third for air. Like, you need to be breathing. You're not just shoveling food. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that. I I mean, that's a pretty good rule to live by, and that's good for your health, too. And then there's the month of Ramadan. Um where um muslims fast during the day and so this mm-hmm. is this is good for a couple reasons like one you're feeling what poor people feel like you don't have the option to eat whenever you want so it's kind of being thankful for what you have and um not only like thinking about that but feeling it um and also just like from a health perspective we know nowadays that like intermittent intermittent um, fasting is actually good for you, so this is another way it was, like, mm-hmm. good in health, and so, like, I can't help but think about how this ties in with, you know, the Islamic Golden Age, which we mentioned, where there were so many advances in, like, you know, medicine and, um, and health, so, you know, while Europe was dying of the plague, <laughs> you, you've got, like, a very advanced society, yeah. and you can, you can kind of see that in some of these stories, like, when, when they do certain things, like, like I can't think of a specific example, but um, yeah, I know this kind of stuff pops up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like, um, and I think it goes along with what you're saying about the Quran, um, that in, in these stories, yeah, that it's, I mean, we mentioned hospitality, but it's that a lot of stories within these stories are told around a food table, like, uh, like these people are like they bond over like eating 
these meets and drinking wine and like they just become close friends or I mean that's how they like it, it seems like such an open trusting society like when they're when you sit down at a table together it's like suddenly you're you're like best buds and yeah, yeah I mean yeah once you once you share a meal to together enjoyed. yeah yeah it's like kind of a special kind enjoy of the bond food and... enjoy the time yeah, yeah. enjoy the company <laughs> so yeah it's really yeah, and again like yeah this because we've mentioned like this so there's the umbrella story of Sherazad and then there's the stories that she tells but then also the like characters within her stories tell stories and like <laughs> so it's yeah it's like, it's so like a story a lot, within story it's like yeah. um so there are a lot like, of little feasts going on it's with like the inception of stories <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah and yeah, so in this encyclopedia um, entry, it says, as for food in the Arabian Nights, there is hardly a literary work in which food and meals play such a prominent role. So, you know, for the reasons that we've mentioned already. Which, um, I mean, I take issue but, with that. Yeah. There's plenty of <laughs> works of literature where food well, plays a prominent I don't know, role. But, <laughs> yeah, but I guess so many because there are 1,000 stories. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they, it's because there are so many stories in one book. Yeah, maybe. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's by pure volume, mean. but not. Yeah, I think that's what they mean. <laughs> I guess. But also, yeah, because it's, um, here it says, so the meals provide context and atmosphere, and they constitute a reason for people to gather, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then they're part of the plot sometimes, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and that is also interesting. This um, this entry points out, uh, you know, in some perspectives, the, it says the copious meals consumed in the Arabian Nights have contributed to the collection's reputation as a hedonistic work, <laughs> propagating yeah, the I unhampered like enjoyment the of mundane pleasures. Food, but <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, it says it in about the yeah about the food, but yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like why would. Yeah, I would say more about the, yeah, relations of men and women as opposed to, like, yeah. the eating. But, I mean, I guess that's Cause true. Because I liked all the eating scenes. <laughs> like, just, yeah, th- no, it's That's great. not hedonistic, that's just... But just think about, that's... like, how, like I said, Europe at this time was in the Middle Ages, which was, like, a very dark time. There was, like, no, um, like... Any, they, they were pretty much like kind of paused as far as like um, progress was stalled but also just like the general um, attitude of the people was they were very religious and kind of trying to separate themselves from earthly p- pleasures and so mm-hmm. just the, the fact that they were enjoying their food in the Arabian Nights yeah. might seem hedonistic um, as compared to that you know yeah. whereas I don't think it was like excessive by any means. I think it's just, like, a natural enjoyment of, yeah. you know, yes, it's earthly pleasures, but they, I, I don't feel like it's hedonistic. <laughs> yeah, because just like you were saying with the Quran, it's like, it's, it is about moderation. Right. And, and it's, you know, and there's fasting, but it's also to enjoy, you know, exactly. en- enjoy the food, but yeah, take a breath, right? <laughs> right. It's not about depriving yourself at all. And then with that, yeah, it's just like as how how we mentioned in the grim fairy tales that you know there is a, the poor class, you know the the people who if they're lucky they might get invited to the, 
<laughs> to you know somebody they might get to go but, to the ball yeah but you know but so that drives a lot of the um protagonists in these in some of these stories that they're they're either beggars or they're like really poor fishermen or mm-hmm. you know and so but then but then somehow their luck changes if they meet a a djinn or you know or a, a noble person um so yeah, so yeah, they can change. The, they can yeah. change their station in life. It's very mm-hmm. fluid. It's not like you're born yeah. to a lower class and you're stuck here. Like you have opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Aladdin, for example. <laughs> you know, he was yeah. he was um, yeah, very poor, but he ends up you know, through wishes, um, you know, becoming very wealthy and marrying a princess. Um, one thing I read when when I was reading about this is one of the themes is luck. Mm-hmm. But not just luck. Um, like, bad things can happen randomly to people. Good things can happen randomly to people. But it's what you do with that that determines your fate. So, mm-hmm. um, it's not just pure luck. It's, like, luck and then capitalizing on that. You know, so Aladdin has the good luck to be sent to find the lamp. Um, refuses to give it away, and then, again, like, just luckily rubs on it and happens upon a genie. But then, it's up to him what to do with that. Like, he has to make the right wishes, he has to, you know, take some initiative to, um, to change his fate. So, yeah, he um, becomes more likable as the story progresses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As, as we see him, yeah, like, being clever. Because in the beginning, he is a little crap like he's just <laughs> he's the reason why his father died because he, he like gave his father so much grief and then <laughs> anyway so, so but that's nice yeah like so it's not, not only about like there. there aren't just lucky people it's also you have to have some kind of cleverness yeah. but also again people can change you know um yeah i think the king changes the point of, aladdin changes like yeah, you can grow sure, as people and i think it. that's very um kind of, like, sophisticated and progressive at the time. Yeah. Again, I keep, like, referring to Grimm's fairy tales, but they, they seem, like, kind of flat in comparison, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, like... You're right. Um, That's a good Yeah, idea. the people don't really learn anything, and so this seems, like, very, um... Yeah, because that was the whole like ahead purpose of, time, of this. Like. Yeah, that was the whole purpose of this, as you've already said, is that Isra'erzad teaching the king, like, how, how to be a good person... And mm-hmm. so, yeah, and and those are the best stories, the ones where, you know, there is a change in the main character. So, like, with Aladdin, he, you know, he is, like, a little, a little jerk in the beginning, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then he changes, and so it feels more satisfying. Like, it's, yeah, I, those kind of stories are the best. Yeah, Aladdin progress. has, like, you're a right, legit they, character arc. It's more, yeah, but you're right, in comparison, stories that don't have that kind of arc or you know, development or change, they do feel flat. Yeah. So. And don't get me wrong, I love Grimm's, but, like, I was actually, like, kind of pleasantly surprised reading some of these stories, how, like, I don't know, like, complex they are. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, um, Morgiana, is it, or Morgiana? Yeah, Morgiana. um, But from Alibaba, Alibaba and the Four Alibaba's, um, servant. Yeah. She, well, she's a slave girl, right? Or is this yes. just a servant? She's yeah. probably a slave girl. I think I read servant, but it might have been, like, <laughs> just... Well, no, the, well, I mean, it's the same... I mean, kind of the same well, thing, but I just mean... If it, she was a slave, but then, like you mentioned, she becomes the daughter of his nephew. 
Right, through her cleverness and loyalty. So this is another really good female character. Um, And really satisfying with that kind of... Yeah, so she basically... um, You know, even though she is very... She has a low status, and she's a woman, so, like, two strikes against her. Um, She shows a lot of cleverness and resourcefulness and loyalty. Um, She saves Alibaba several times from the thieves that keep coming back to kill him. Um, And so because of that she gets rewarded in the end so really like you know even though the story is Alibaba and the 40 thieves like Alibaba makes dumb decisions over and over again and she bails him out several times so she's really you know the hero of the story yeah what should it really be called Mor- Morgiana. Morgiana and her um stupid employer yeah yeah <laughs> so. speaking of food open sesame is probably is probably known all around the world right it's Mm -hmm. like that's what you say you're supposed to say right but (laughs) but it's so funny oh wait well it's not funny i guess because this guy died but like alibaba's brother (laughs) got really envious and um so he gets so there's this robber's cave that alibaba finds while he's gathering sticks in the forest and he hides in a tree and sees all these robbers go into this cave uh, but the magic words to open the cave are, of course, open sesame. Open sesame. But, it's, but it's sim sim. But I guess sim sim means sesame because. So later on, Alibaba tells his brother, is kind of coerced into telling his brother about the treasure, the cave of treasures. Um, and so the brother goes, wanting to like take as much as he can, and he opens the door, and then he's in there, and the door closes behind him, but that's not a big deal, because he knows how to get out. Well, he's, like, so enraptured with all the riches that he sees, that when it's time for him to, like, he wants to load up some coins onto his his um, his donkeys, that or his mules, that he forgets the word. <laughs> and it says, oh, I wish, I wish I could find the exact page, but it's the, it's like he he starts saying all these different herbs and spices and stuff like (laughs) like, I know it says that he can't remember yeah he can't remember that one he can't remember sesame seed it it says it's as if it like was just erased from his mind that he can't (laughs) remember that one so yeah Yeah. that's kind of funny that he gets like diced sliced and diced quartered Brutal. Yeah. But don't be yeah, greedy. Sesame. Yeah, so it's yeah, oh here it is. <laughs> but by the will of Allah Almighty he had clean forgotten the Kabbalistic words and cried out Oh open O barley <laughs> Whereat the door refused to move. Astonished and confused beyond measure, he named the names of all manner of grains save sesame, which had slipped from his memory as though he had never heard the word. <laughs> Poor guy. And he died because they caught him. The, the robbers caught him. But yeah. So sesame. So that, and then later on, Morgiana, she's like cooking a broth. So yeah, so you can make like broth with sesame seeds yeah, put sesame on top broth. to represent this story. So this is one of the stories that I remembered from reading as a kid that yeah Morgana part of her cleverness was so she was cooking this broth and then there are these there's this the chief of the robbers had found Alibaba and knew that he was someone who had taken treasures from their cave 
And so he brought his henchmen, but they were undercover in these, uh, like, leather jars, pretending that they were oil jars, but they're really filled with these robbers, kind of like Trojan horse kind of deal. And But she she discovered it, and Morgana did, um, and then she, like, poured hot oil into all the jars, killing the guys. Yeah, not only is she clever, like, she's kind of a badass. <laughs> so Yeah. So anyway, all everybody was taken care of. Morgiana's awesome. Mm-hmm. Sesame and broth. There we go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of wine. Maybe that's why people saw it as hedonistic. Yeah, that's kind of confusing to me because, um, I mean, this is definitely Islamic in nature, so I wonder why they're drinking wine all the time. Yeah, so I wonder if, um, is wine maybe only in the stories that aren't of Islamic origin, maybe? Maybe. Because I, w- I wouldn't know how to, like, I haven't been paying attention as I read that. Yeah, because like, I had seen it mentioned, too, and I was kind of wondering about that, so I might have to look that up and see. Or do you think at the t- maybe t- the time period was wine? M- maybe it's at the time period, I don't know, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, it's yeah. in, I think it's in the Quran, so... You know, that was written before this, so I don't, I don't know. So what's kind of cool, so, so Shahrazad had to tell all these stories. There was a, a book that I read years ago called Shadow Spinner by, let me see, Susan Fletcher. And it's a young adult book, um, but it's, it's basically, how, how did Shahrazad have all these stories? Like, what if she ran out of story you know what if there was one night or one day that she's like oh crap I don't like I can't think of a story <laughs> to tell and so in Shadow Spinner it's that Shahrazad has um, a servant who supplies her with stories so that's kind of kind of cool her, the servant's name is Marjan and she like goes out and um, travels around the city and the harem you know and gets stories from other people and brings them back to Shahrazad so that's kind of cool. So that's Shadow Spinner by Susan Fletcher. That was that's interesting, kind of but I kind of like don't like the concept because it like takes away diminishes, from, yeah, yeah, from Shahrazad. I mean, it sounds it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also at college, one of their professors, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> he's also a children's book author, and he wrote uh, two books that were like sequels kind of to the Aladdin story. <clears throat> His name is Michael Tunnel and is Wishing Moon and A Moon Without Magic. So those were those are pretty cool. I've I've read the first one, but I haven't read the second one yet. But that's got a ton of like food descriptions and stuff cuz he he traveled to uh, the Middle East. I can't remember exactly where he went, but like to do research for the the book and and but it's a sequel to like the Aladdin in the Arabian Nights, like to that original story as opposed to like <laughs> Disney. That's or, cool. You know, yeah. So it's a little bit. It has that vibe that's a little bit more gritty, I guess, or you know, maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. It's not like it's for kids. I mean, it's for <laughs> youth, but it's. Yeah, it's not Disney. Well, you know, as I was reading this, um, do you remember, like, when we were doing, again, gross fairy tales, um, but there was someone who had written, um, like, a new version that that had, like, some of the more vague food descriptions. He put in, like, specific 
things. Um, I was actually thinking that that would be really cool if, um, you know, someone, someone did that like, you know, had a new edition of these, but they put in, like, some, like, specific stuff. Because, you know, there is a lot of food, but it is pretty vague for the most part. And so mm-hmm. it would be really cool if, you know, they took, um, you know, some more specific, like, Middle Eastern food and medieval food, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. You know, that might, might be fun. <laughs> Because that's what this author did with the Wishing Moon and Moon Without Magic is, yeah, like, he totally Like, kind of fleshed out some of the details. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. I would just drool about all, like, yeah, all the descriptions. Yeah, because Middle Eastern food is delicious. <laughs> Hands down. Like, I don't have a ton of experience cooking it, but, I, you know, I've cooked a decent amount. You know, I've made this and that. Mm-hmm. And then this year I also joined... Um, this cooking group, it's the Mina Cooking Club, it's a Middle East North Africa Cooking Club, mm. and every month is a different country, and whoever's hosting that month will pick, like, I guess, like, a main dish, a side dish, and a dessert, and then you can That's pick, um, you can do one or all of the recipes, um, and, they'll, and they'll post, like, an example of, of the recipe, and you can either follow that or kind of do your own thing. And so I, I did several of the months. I did, like, um, Egyptian food, Jordanian food, and Iraqi food um, so far, and so I feel like I'm kind of learning more about the cuisine, and um, it's been really, really fun, and I'm going to keep cooking with them. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, my husband, so he uh, went to Jordan um, for a month uh, for language study, and yeah, so, and he loved the food. You mentioned, so you did a Jordanian mm-hmm. night, yeah. I think, was it Mensef? Have you done, that was like something that he really loved. Oh, what what's it called? Mensef? Is, is that, that like, is it kind of like a lamb stew? I think. Or something, because I, like I think that up. was one of the options. I actually did, like, a um, I think it's, make... like, a national dish. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, because, yeah, that sounds familiar. I think that was one of the recipes. Actually, for Jordan, I did, like, a tomato and rice soup. Like, I did, like, a more simple mm. recipe. And I think I saw that, and, like, s- several of the people in the club had cooked it, and it looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah, men's stuff is lamb and yogurt. And, okay. Yeah. Nice. But, yeah, and he also um, spent the night with the Bedouins and had this, like, meat and vegetables, but it was, like, cooked underground, and they, they Oh, had that's out. so cool. Yeah. That that wrote, sounds like a priceless, camel. yeah, experience. I know, right? <laughs> so, but, like, yeah, did, he said the food was so awesome. Did he tell you anything about, like, the, um, like, the eating customs and, like, or the, you know, meal, um? Well, I think with... Yeah. Uh, at least with uh, Mansef, like you, it's a, it's like everybody just like there's a main dish and then you just eat it with your hands. But it's like everybody just okay, digs in together. so it's like a family style thing. Yeah, cool. which is like kind of goes along with that. Like you bond over the meal, or it's like yeah. a very, you know, you draws people together and. I mean, yeah. yeah, just think about how much more, like, um, that's a very different experience than, like, going to a restaurant and everybody gets their own food, and you're all, you're, I mm-hmm. mean, you're all sitting together, but you're kind of doing yeah. your own thing. Yeah, and he brought back some, what did he bring back? I don't know, he brought back some awesome candies for me. They didn't last very long. <laughs> but also, sweet meats are mentioned in the, in the book, and so, like, but it's, like, candies. 
uh, you know, is what sweet meats are. Uh, but, you know, in my mind, since I was a kid, it's like, mmm, meat that's sweet. But no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means, like, candies and stuff. Yeah, Middle Eastern sweets are great. Like, they have, you know, there's, like, lots that are, like, pistachio, and there's lots of, like, floral ones. Like, I love floral things in food. Like, that's, a, I feel like that's a very divisive thing with people. Like, you know, some people feel like they're eating perfume. <laughs> But, like, I, I love it. I love, like, rose water and orange blossom water and, um... Yeah, my husband yeah. says it's, like, laundry detergent. Like, it makes him think of... Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> laundry so, detergent. he's on the other yeah. side of that, um, <laughs> issue. Yeah, but, yeah, I love it. I think it's, like... Yeah, I think it's nice, too. But, yeah, yeah I guess you can have too much of it. <laughs> yeah, but. it's very strong, yeah. So, like, a little, a little goes a long way. But, yeah, I, I always have, um, rose water in my fridge and like you know mm-hmm. little drop here even in savory food you know like when I make um mm. you know like chicken biryani or whatever which is like chicken rice you know and I'm sure they have many like similar um recipes in the Middle East or whatever but like even a savory dish it just gives like a nice little floral note which is that's good, good. I, yeah, yeah. I, I have some as rose water as well but I've only used it for like desserts and so that sounds I might have to sneak it in there yeah that's yeah that's one thing um like <laughs> I, I've noticed like just with like Middle Eastern and also like Pakistani and Indian food is um you know so, so many like spices like cinnamon and cardamom that like western style you would only put in dessert like they put mm-hmm. in savory dishes and it's just like such a cool yeah, combination really of flavors yeah I love mm-hmm. it um, yeah, Middle Eastern food, I guess, um, yeah, like you said, uh, there's lots of really well-done meat, but, like, I guess on a day-to-day basis, they eat, like, a ton of rice, a ton of lentils. Yeah, even, like, at my house, I have, like, three or four kind of lentils at all times mm-hmm. <laughs> in my cabinet. Yeah, because, you know, Pakistani people also eat a lot of lentils. Let me tell one more story. So, um, I, I cooked from the, the Prince and the Large and Lonely Tortoise. It has several of the themes we already talked about, and then mm-hmm. several, like, kind of themes as it relates to food. And it's just an entertaining story. <laughs> Basically, it's the story of a king who has three sons, and of course it comes time to marry them. And so he is advised by his vizier, there's lots of viziers in, in the Arabian Nights, um, but he's advised to... Let Allah decide who they will marry by taking bow and arrow and shooting it, and whoever it lands near will be their wife. Sounds legit. So, um, the two older brothers shoot their arrows and, you know, happen upon beautiful girls from wealthy families, so they're very happy with their matches. And the youngest son shoots it, and it lands in front of, front of a tortoise. And his father's like, hmm, why don't you try again? So he does, and it lands again in front of the tortoise. Um, he tries a third time, still with the tortoise. And the, um, the sultan tells him he can give up if he wants, but, um, the, the man decides to marry this tortoise because, um, that's just where his fate is taking him. And, um... He even goes there about what it would be like to consummate this marriage <laughs> with the tortoise. Hold on, let me look up a quote. Um, I know, that was kind of funny. Yeah, like, you think they would just kind of gloss over that, but no, they, they talk about it. Um, he's like, I don't have any, I can't find a quote, but it's, it's something like, I don't like tortoises in general, 
Um, but this one, I'll get past that because this is going to be my my wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so he marries this tortoise, um, and everyone is upset about it. The other um, brothers and their wives do everything they can to make the wedding unhappy. So you can tell they're not very nice women off the bat. So time passes, and the the sultan becomes very ill. So. The, the brothers decide that they're going to have their wives prefer, um, prepare food for him because um, the sultan's harem hasn't been doing a good job. So this is the first point which I think is interesting, which is normally, you know, the wives wouldn't prepare food. Um, but in this case, um, they're going to have them do this. So I think this is probably pretty common at the time, too. Like, um, And also in some of the other works we've seen, they're like certain classes didn't have to cook because... Since society's so stratified, um, you know, servants did pretty much all your work for you, um, because they're cheap and everybody had them, especially if you were, um, princesses. Uh But they're going to cook, so the tortoise tricks them by, by asking one wife if she could borrow some rat turds, and the other (laughs) wife if she could borrow some hidden pigeon droppings. And so the wives rudely refuse and then decide to put these things in their own dishes. Because they thought it was something... Yeah, like a secret... something awesome. Yeah, secret ingredient. So the tortoise laughs and laughs. I also like how, like, the characters have personalities in these stories, you know? Because doesn't she laugh so hard one time she, like, flips over? Yeah! (laughs) And just, like, rolling on her chair. Yeah, like, this story's hilarious. I love it. So anyway, the wives, like, cook these horrible meals with brat turds and pigeon droppings and present them to the king, and he's like, this is awful. What were you thinking? And of course the tortoise makes like a delicious meal, um, which the king eats for an hour. And then he, there's something specific right here. He drinks a sherbet of musk and pounded snow. Hmm. Yeah. So that kind of relates to what you made, but I'll let you talk about that in a little bit. Um, (laughs) so the king eats this wonderful food and, um, he recovers his, he's back to health. So, um, so to celebrate from recovering, he decides to throw a feast. So the tortoise again tricks the wives by asking one of them if she can borrow their goose and the other one if she could borrow their goat <laughs> to ride in on. And the wives not only refuse her, but decide to do that themselves. So they show up looking ridiculous, and the king's very upset by this. And then the tortoise apparently can turn into a beautiful woman whenever she wants. So she shows up as a beautiful woman. Um, and you wonder if, like, I feel like it's always been that way. Yeah, I feel like there's a gap in <laughs> the story the, here. Yeah, but yeah. the young prince, like, the young Like, why didn't you do that when you anybody. first married the... Like, why didn't you do that when you first married the prince and then you wouldn't have had to do it as a tortoise, which it talks about in the story. She was just having such a fun time, I think. I guess. Yeah, laughing so hard she rolls everybody. over. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, at this, yeah. at this feast... Um, it, it says there's rice swollen in butter and a thick green soup. And the tortoise princess pours both of these over her head and the rice turns into pearls and like scattered to the floor. And the, the soup turns into emeralds and scatters to the floor and everyone's amazed and think this is wonderful. So they bring out more, more rice and more soup. So of course the, the silly wives pour this on their own hair, and it stays as rice and soup, and so they basically dump food on their head. 
So the king is so <laughs> upset that he sends them away. Um, since their husband's away, his own sons, he's like, I'm done. I'm done with these wives. Um, so, so the tortoise wife is happy now. She gets all the inheritance. And they bring, a, we get like a little bit of like skin changer lore here, which is pretty cool. Like, they bring her her, um, her shell and she burns it. Yeah, that's so that story is reminiscent of several. Yeah, like that struck kind of a chord for me. Like yeah. it doesn't, I mean, it just kind of mentions it. So apparently, like she burns the shell so that she has to stay a human and she yeah. won't be. Yeah, it said something about she won't be tempted to turn it into a tortoise again. So I guess she really did like living as, as a tortoise. But yeah, yeah that was interesting because like I, I kind of like. That's like start um, looking up like werewolf selkie. stuff and like well, it's like selkie mythology in Ar- in Ireland. Oh, okay. Um, and there's the like Native seal, American stuff seal too. Seal women. Uh huh. Yeah. So if you like take away their skin, I mean their animal. Yeah. Skin, yeah, that's so away. interesting because it's yeah. like that in Native American mythology too, and I guess like the Irish, like you mentioned, and then also like a bunch of werewolf stories. Like they had to have like an actual wolf pelt. Um, mm-hmm. to change, so yeah, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But anyway, back to back to like the rice and the soup. So when I read about the thick green soup, it reminded me of this um, this Middle Eastern um, minted split pea soup that I had made one time, and it's from a really great cookbook by Greg and Lucy Malouf, who are Australians, but I think he's of Lebanese origin, and mm-hmm. it is from the cook book, um, Artichoke to Zatar, Modern Middle Eastern Food, and so for every letter of the alphabet, there is a, um, that's cool, yeah, there's a recipe, and this is really good, like, it's, um, split peas, and there's both, um, dried and fresh mint in it, um, so it's, like, really nice and minty, and then you put, like, um, you saute butter lettuce, and then blend the whole thing up, so it's actually kind of light and nice. So, yeah, it's a really good soup. I made it for, um, um, we were having people over to dinner one time, and I made it as, like, a first course, and it, yeah, it was great. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. I I plan to make it this weekend, and actually, a a lot of these, um, well, actually, most of the time, um, as we're doing this podcast, I kind of, like, let the inspiration come to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But this time, I specifically went looking for a soup, because, again, jaw surgery, and that's pretty much all I can eat right now, so. Yeah, it sounds really good yeah so that's my recipe what about you well i also just wanted to throw in um i was reminded when you were telling the story um i was reminded that the frog princess the russian story the frog princess begins with the three princes shooting an arrow to find their bride so it's, it's like exactly the same yeah but the youngest one you know it lands in front of a frog instead of a tortoise but Anyway, and I and I think maybe in that story, or there might be another story where the princess, yeah, does something with food at the table, and it like, it, it might be in the Frog Princess. I'm not sure, but okay, that's interesting. That sounds anyway. yeah, pretty similar. I wonder, um, yeah, if that came after this and they kind of pulled from it. Because I do feel like this story, the with the tortoise, because it's shorter than the other ones. It doesn't like have a story within a story. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's it feels a little bit different. Yeah, it it definitely feels like one of those stories. like standalone fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, rather than yeah, it doesn't have. It the almost same... feels European. Just it a, does. just a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's not as self-contained as some of these. Yeah. (laughs) So I did a couple, actually. I did Charbat, which you mentioned about the snow in the drink. And uh, so, yeah, so I it's snowy here outside. (laughs) Oh, yes. To make this... You're in Drink. the snowy, snowy I north, my kitchen door, suffering yeah, through the winter. <laughs> yeah. So with a spoon in hand, I open the kitchen door, and <laughs> scoop some snow into a cup. <laughs> I literally, like, I literally did that. <laughs> yeah. And my daughter, so she's four. She totally loved it because she loves ice, like to eat ice, and oh, she I loves bet. snow. So she, so she was like my little tester. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so in one of these stories, actually in several stories, Sharbat is mentioned. Um, but actually, in in two stories that I know of specifically, willow flower water is mentioned. And I went to the halal market um, near here, and they were they were like just out of it. But it does exist. Like you can buy it. If you go to a uh, you know special market, yeah, that's cool. I actually haven't tried that yet. Like every yeah. time I go to the halal market, I, I try to pick up like a new ingredient to <laughs> mm-hmm. to play. Yeah, with. I love going to stores like that because yeah. It's, yeah, it's fun to just see what's new and different. So you like rose water and orange flower water. Of course, those are the most common. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also like well mint water, willow flower water. Um, I got something. It's called sweet prier p r i e r smelled kind of like anise mm. or licorice um, but anyway so there are these um, floral or herb you know uh, water infused waters um, and you use them to make you can use them to make syrup like by adding sugar and heating it up um, or so in this one story it's the porter and the three ladies of Baghdad um, it specifically says... I have to scroll down and find it. There we go. Um, so these three ladies are entertaining uh, these men that just showed up at their doorstep. So these women are, like, awesome, beautiful, rich. Like, they have their own really cool house. And um, anyway, but these guys, like, show up at their, do- at their door. And so they invite them in just to, like, share um, drink and food with them and to just have, com- you know, company. Anyway, so this one guy... Uh, the lady was going to give him a drink and he and he said um, so she was going to it says the ladies brought wine to him but he drew back and refused it saying I drink not wine for I have a vow whereupon the, the portress or the, the gatekeeper lady um, who was having dinner with them spread before him an embroidered cloth and placed upon it a china bottle of willow flower water she added to it a lump of ice and sweetened it with sugar. And the man thanked her and said to himself, "Tomorrow I will reward her for this kind act." So, so here's somebody who didn't want to drink wine. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he was given sharbat. In this recipe, it's willow flower water with ice and then sugar sprinkled on top. So that's like super basic. And so, I put like half a cup of. I just had a, a little cup. Um, so half a cup of this sweet prayer water, which is, last I said, kind of s- is like anise. Or if you find willow flower water, go for it. And then I scooped in like a cup of snow. <laughs> or you can do shaved ice. Or you could just do ice cubes, which is fine. Um, yeah, when it's not snow, when we don't have snow anymore, I'll break out my Snoopy snow cone maker. And <laughs> grind up some ice cubes. Anyway, nice. <laughs> anyway. And then I just sprinkled... Um, 
the really fine sugar, baker's sugar, so not regular granulated sugar, um, which you could use that too, but I, I thought it would be better to use the super, f not powdered sugar, but it's, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, this, it's kind of like in between. It's like sugar. finer than, um, yeah, like granulated so, sugar, but yeah, so it would dissolve quicker and you know, yeah. So, anyway, so I just sprinkled that on top and, and it was good. Um, but I also had a little bit of, I have a little bit of mint water, so I just put in a tiny bit of that just to give it, you know, that refreshing yeah I mean, snow on its own is refreshing but like <laughs> anyway <laughs> no that sounds super refreshing yeah. like you were talking about it i'm like wow that sounds great <laughs> but i also made some rose syrup uh, from rose water and, and sugar and so you know I, a different version you know you get you can use um, flower water as a base or just regular water and then put the ice in and then pour like a tablespoon or so of the flour syrup, you know, on it instead of just sprinkling um, plain sugar. Um, and I also put in a little bit of grenadine to give it some color. Other ways that people make it is that um, they actually put um, fruit in it, either like frozen fruit or um, whole fruit, or you can mash up fruit. So there's a lot of different ways to make sherbet. Um, but in the Arabian Nights, aside from this story, the other time that willow flower water was mentioned, and specifically sherbet, was for medicinal use. So that's also, um, you know, not only just as a, a great drink, or, you know, a nice cold drink, it's also medicinal because of the herb and flower well, what's waters. Well, what's it used for? Did it... Um, th I think in, in this instance, I don't have it in front of me, the... The, um passage that it's in but it was just for somebody who was feeling really bad <laughs> and they couldn't and they couldn't figure out like what was wrong with them or something like that I was safe yeah so just for general well-being <laughs> yeah and I think I did read that as I was researching Sherbat like that it is it's so common like it's so widely drunk is that the way yeah <laughs> it's so widely imbibed <laughs> imbibed that, yeah um that it but throughout its history like it has been for you know medicinal reasons and for just enjoyment mm -hmm. um so i did shabbat but also um so sweet meats are mentioned that uh, you know as i've said uh, previously sweet sweet meats are mentioned in the arabian nights so and that means treats like little desserts um and so halva or hal halwa um would be one of those and it's so it's like the in list of ingredients it's are so small like you can make it with honey and tahini which is sesame paste uh, and then flavoring if you want and optional add in some nuts some like toasted crushed up nuts um, or or you can just you can do like the sugar and water and instead of honey um, so I've tried it both ways so far I want to make it a third time just to try to get it like just right um, so the first time I made it it was with honey and and I looked at so many recipes and they all say to like heat the honey to the soft ball stage which is 240 degrees Fahrenheit on a candy thermometer or like if you drop a little bit of it in cold water the it'll keep its shape in the little ball um, so that's what softball stage is supposed to be, you know, and then you mix it in with the tahini and flavoring and I added some almond, uh, sliced almonds 
and then you let it set overnight or a couple days. But when I pulled it out, it was still kind of goopy. I mean, it had mm. solidified some, but when you it, but then it just kind of like, like, <laughs> and it was so sweet. Is that, is cloying the right word? Uh, like, yeah, that's sweet. That's like, blah, blah, blah. so I just threw it away. Oh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I know. I hate, I hate the waste. I wonder, things, like, like if, I if it matters, like how, like liquidy or tahini was. You know, like maybe it had more oil than. Well, I did some, some more research. It's possible. Well, I mean, I stirred it up really well and shook it up and stuff. Um, but I did some more research, and apparently the that uh, cooking point for the whether you're using honey or sugar plus water mm-hmm. um, is was too low. Oh, okay. So you didn't and like so, boil your honey down enough. Yeah, because all the like most of the recipes you find it or pretty much all the ones that I found, it said 240, so off the ball stage. Yeah. But, and then I found this um, YouTube video, and I'll, I'll put a, a link for it. Um, it looks like I closed it, so I'll have to find it later. But it's, it's two people, and they and they had also done research, and they're like, yeah, we discovered that it's because that cooking point was, or the heating point for the the honey or you know for with the sweetener was too low so they did it to 60 oh. which is like hardball stage and so so I tried that and I think so them so it's now I've done the two extremes so the second the time sweet spot. Yeah. yeah so the second time uh, I did it it was at the 260 and um but I think the reason why it, it just doesn't seem quite right is because I didn't have my pan prepared to pour it in right away. Mm-hmm. And so it was already crystallized. Like once I mixed in the tahini and the and the flavoring with the... I This time I did sugar and water because I wanted to try, you know, this other way. Um, and so it was already crystallizing and hardening or solidifying. Mm-hmm. In, while it was still in the the pot, you know, and I hear I was like, ah, I gotta find this. <laughs> I wanted to find this specific little tiny like loaf pan that I had, <laughs> but then I like was cutting the parchment paper or put it in, and um, and so, but I couldn't pour it pour it in because it had already passed that stage. So I think that is why mine turned out maybe a little too fall apart. Yeah. So anyway, so I want to make it a third time. So maybe I'll wait to post that recipe, you know, until I make it a third time. And because I want to, you know, I want to get it, if not just right, like close as I can get. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're zeroing in on it. Yeah. Like you discovered because it tastes really good this time. It does taste really good. Hey, that's what counts. So So even even (laughs) if it's crumbly, I mean, it's probably supposed to be a little crumbly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I did buy some at the, so I went to the halal market and I did buy some there just to compare, experience it. Yeah. And it was crumbly. Mm. And so, yeah. Yeah, So so crumbly, it's, yeah. yeah. So the higher heat point is the way to go. Okay. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but, sweets are so tricky. I mean, like, yeah, mm-hmm. just you have to get it like so specific. I don't know. I I felt like that when I was making the Turkish delight too. Like, I didn't know how thick my um, mm-hmm. 
uh, cornstarch mixture was supposed to be. And yeah, like, and you never know until like you mix it all and then you have to wait for it to cool. So it's not even like, I mean, cooking is so easy by comparison because you can just like t taste along the way and oh, this yeah. needs more salt, you know. But like sweets, it's like you put so much effort into it and you don't know if it turned out it's until like, like the next day. Chemistry involved, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. So. so, locum, so that's another thing we've already done that's right. interesting. The Turkish delight, mm -hmm. aka locum, that would be a sweet meat. Yeah. As well. Exactly. But yeah, so speaking of sweets, when I was at the market, I found this. Uh, it's one of these chocolate eggs. So, like Kinder eggs, but it's not from Germany. But it says Magic Aladdin. And it has a picture of like an Aladdin <laughs> character and a blue genie. But it's not Disney, but kind of. But anyway, <laughs> it's I have probably it right like here. unlicensed Disney. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to open this egg and let's see what's inside. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll time. eat that chocolate later. Can you hear it? Here's the yeah, I'm jealous, too. <laughs> and the chocolate. <laughs> so here's the little... What is inside? Oh, it's a little truck. There you go. It has nothing to do with Aladdin. <laughs> it's like a little a little car or something that I can put together. <laughs> but anyway, so that was kind of cool, because I remember those eggs when I was a kid. The Kinder eggs. Yeah. So, But this is from... This is imported from the Middle East. That's what the packaging says anyway so that's kind of cool anyway yeah the, the hello market is a fun place like <laughs> i really love to just go up and down the aisles and they have so much stuff yeah there's yeah. like a whole aisle of different like you know candies and sweets and stuff and then there's like a million kinds of pickles and olives and um, i love to look at all the spices too yes yeah spice aisle i love yeah so much fun um, all the markets that I've been in, I mean, the hello markets that I've been in, well, mm -hmm. all, I say maybe two or three, I guess, in <laughs> recent years, but um, th they're always so nice. I mean, the proprietors are so super friendly. Oh, yeah, they really and are. Yeah, because, like, like, part of the we, culture, too, I think, right? We like, have one, like, maybe, like, a couple blocks away from, from us, and we go there a lot because, um, nice. like... A lot of our friends only eat halal, and also just, like, it's it's good. So we buy our meat mostly from there at the butcher shop, you know, we'll get, like, this or that and put it in the freezer. And, mm -hmm. like I said, every time I go there, I love to, like, walk up and down the aisles. But, yeah, they're so nice. Yeah, the, um, the one I went to recently and also uh, the one I went to the, where we lived previously, like, mm -hmm. both of the, the people at the cash register, like, they gave my daughter like a little treat like a free like a little candy yeah they do that at ours too <laughs> man <laughs> like, there's like good, some unwritten that's good marketing rule. too like yeah it's like we'll want to come back you know <laughs> but also they're just generally like really friendly anyway so it's a really cool experience and i it it seems to me that it's yeah part of that culture and even what we we're talking about in the arabian nights like there's that inviting yeah like hospitality. you know especially surrounding food yeah it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so everybody, find your local halal market. Yeah. And make friends. <laughs> Have a fun experience. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I also might post a recipe um, for lebna. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's it's that's also from the yeah. Middle I think it's, it's really easy. Lebna. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, so my husband, he experienced he had that when he was. Um, in Jordan, but also, you know, just from his language teachers and stuff, they, when they had, like, food days and stuff, when, when he was in uh, language classes and all, and, um, 
so it's so it's basically it's Greek yogurt. I like the how do you say it? Fage, the F A G E brand. <laughs> That's like oh my yeah, <laughs> but the whole sage. Like the whole, no, I don't. I don't think it's sage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole fat kind, um, and you just put it in a cheesecloth. Well, I sprinkle a little salt in it, stir it up, and then just put it in a cheesecloth or a flour sack cloth, and then put it on a in a mesh strainer, and then set that over a bowl, and then just let the whey the the liquid um, drain out strain out of the yogurt and you can give it a squeeze in the fabric um, but let it sit in your icebox for like I don't know a couple days and then it will get a little firmer um, yeah and, and so you can it's kind of like cream cheese like you can spread it on bread or I like to roll it in little balls and then roll that in the za'atar or the, how do you say it Satire. I think it's Satar. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that thyme plus. Yeah, it's like a really um, mixture. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a spice mix. It's got. Yeah. And so I would, I'll just roll the balls in that, and then put them in a jar with olive oil, and then you just, you know, take them out. I like you can put them, eat them with flatbread, or you can just eat them as like a, a little appetizer on a dish of fruit and crackers, or um, toast some. English muffins and put it on there. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, but yeah. anyway, it's so easy but versatile. Yeah, nice. So we'll, I have not we'll made that, that and we we eat like a ton of yogurt. So I mean, yeah, that try would, it. That would be yeah fun to change it up a little bit. I'm definitely gonna try that. So yeah, it's so easy. Yeah, cool. Nice. Well, so those are <laughs> so my assignment is to I'll keep trying on the the halva, <laughs> but. Yeah, but I can put the recipes for the Lebna and the Shabbat. Yeah, oh, sounds yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I'm I'm think we can wrap this up unless you wanted to add anything. That's always that's always dangerous when you ask me that because usually I'm okay. like, and this and this and this. But I think, all right, I'm cutting you off here. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I think I'm good. The only thing, okay. the only other thing is that um, I was reminded of the Bart- Bartimaeus books by Jonathan Stroud. They take a lot from the Arabian Nights. It's a young adult um, fantasy series, mm-hmm. and so I recommend those. Um, but it, because uh, King Solomon is mentioned often in the Arabian Nights, and also in relation to the the jinn, the genies, or or demons. Um, anyway, there's a whole really interesting um, history related to King Solomon and his ring and all this. Anyway, so these books. Um, delve into King Solomon and some of the um, stories in the Arabian Nights and um, so it's Jonathan Stroud the Bartimaeus sequence anyway cool that's that's it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we should just start like a a regular like book recommendation section well it's like well you always have like good recommendations (laughs) well it's just things that I'm reminded of where it's like but you don't have to take my word for it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Okay, yeah. but that's it. I'm totally done. After we finish recording, I might be like, oh, wait, I forgot this, but I'll just yeah. have to live with it. I'll just have to live with it. You'll put it in a post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so. yeah, I think we I think we did a, you know, talked about the things we wanted to talk about. Yeah, food, yeah. Arabian Nights, there's lots of it. Yep. Check it out. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll put links to anything we talked about as well as our delicious recipes on our website at fictionkitchenpodcast.com. 
um, please email us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any suggestions, we're open to it. We're at um, fictionkitchenpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Twitter. I'm at Carrie Rashid. And I'm at Fiction Food. So thanks so much for listening. Bye. Yeah. Next time. Oh, I come from a land, from a faraway place, where the caravan camels roam. Where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. When the wind's from the east and the sun's from the west and the sand in the glass is right, come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian night.